Welcome, everybody, to If I May, a podcast with me, Kyle, an average guy, along with two of my average friends, Brent and Nick. Uh, we're going to talk so, about stuff while uh, interrupting as politely as possible. This is episode 36. Let's go. Brent, we're going to start with you this time. You ready? Yeah. yeah. I, if I may, is the it's audio done. coming oh. in? It sort of like is going in and out for me. Yeah, it's recorded. You're good. It's just it, okay. my levels. Don't worry about it. I got you. You got me. You got it's me. It's time for Aww. the Nathan News of the Week. All right. So this week, a really cool story popped up on my news feed because Facebook's obviously the best place to get news. Uh, but it turns out that they have scientific evidence or proof that snowshoe hares up in Canada actually will eat meat. So there's like carnivorous bunnies out in the wild. Uh, and it, it turns out are they that white are they just like money python they're the ones that uh snowshoe hairs the ones that are brown in the summertime and then they turn white in ah the so it is a money python so rabbit they're kind of like the classic they change their color uh based on the season kind of thing they're the example and and part of this is the snowshoe hairs been researched along with the canadian lynx for a long time like it goes uh and they actually have a lot of data of showing how you know, if the snowshoe hare population's up, well, all of a sudden you'll see that the um, the Canadian lynx population rises up. And as the Canadian lynx population rises up, the snowshoe hare population plunges and it just kind of goes. There's a game we played at the camp that we worked at that was just this game. <laughs> it yeah, was like, it's exactly, friend, it was the three circles forever, right? There was like uh, wolves in the middle and then antelope and then grass on the outside. So it was like three rings. And like the wolves had to run to the try to catch the antelope, so the antelopes went and tried to catch the grass. And if you got a grass, you were safe. As like as an antelope, if you got a grass, you were safe. Or if you're a wolf, if you got an antelope, you were safe. If you didn't get one, you're you, you're screwed. And so like it shows the whole population thing. And if you don't get anything, then you die and you just become grass. Yeah, it's a classic example of uh, population dynamics and how those populations fluctuate. Well, anyway, so they were thinking like, oh, snowshoe hare, all they eat is, you know, snowshoes and hares. the other vegetation. But the thing is, when you're up in the Yukon, there's a lot of snow, uh, especially in the wintertime, vegetation isn't very common. It's kind of hard to find. So these mammals will actually go and supplement on carcasses of animals they find. And I, I think some of the more shocking ones that they mentioned in the article were snowshoe hares were found eating on the remains of other snowshoe hares. Oh, so they're, they're kind of like cannibals. Cannibals. Um, and the best one, this one I thought was really cool, was that these snowshoe hares actually will eat on the remains of Canadian lynx. So like they're big predators. They will turn it back and eat them as well if they find out so how they find out all this stuff now when they apparently they've been studying them for years like for a long yeah. time like all of a sudden all these discoveries just came about in the course of one winter or is it just like extra cold this winter or what i i think it's just the more prevalence of uh different studies are using you know a lot of time they're using population dynamics they're tracking using radio collars um doing a lot of gps stuff that way uh, and I think maybe they're probably just using more camera traps and they just happen to catch the footage. So so what happened was they put up um, like some remains of some animal that they were trying to get a lynx to come to their camera trap for. They're basically baiting it in with some animals. And what they found was like the snowshoe hare came up 
and was using that bait and eating off of their bait that they were trying to bring in for the links. So that's how they kind of saw it was it just happened. They were trying to go for the links and the snowshoe hair came instead. Interesting. Uh, but it, it was one of those like accidents. And I don't think there's a lot of these cameras up there. You know, it's more probably this, this, this study was focusing on it more, which me- meant that they were going to see more stuff. And it, it just kind of happened with on accident. And it's actually not the first time that you see animals that you don't think of as eating other like meat eating meat i know chickadees have long been documented uh if there's like a deer carcass they'll come up and eat the meat off of if i may what's a chickadee carcass. again a chickadee is a little bird. tiny bird with like black and white oh it's a little adorable things that kind of like okay yeah yep or that okay they might land on your finger if you're singing a pretty song and you're a disney princess yeah it's one of those um something like that if you're singing the cheeseburger song no it's one of those things that they just probably weren't lucky enough to get on camera and i'm sure it's been happening for years or you know but they just never got film of it and they kind of got lucky by it if i may Uh, i I must i must also ask why do we have hares versus rabbits slash bunnies i don't get it that's that's a good question i'm gonna look that up (laughs) i don't know i think it's uh, i thought you're a nature you're the nature expert brian you're supposed to just know these things you need to know everything about nature I learned something early on that admitting that you don't know something is an important skill to have too, because you don't want to feed too much misinformation into the world more so than we're already doing. So um, <laughs> the difference between hairs, hairs are generally larger. This is coming from wonderopolis.org. Giving them a quick plug. Thank you for being the number one search on Google. Uh, they're <laughs> Good just, job. They're Proud bigger. Of you. They have kind of bigger hind legs. They sit up a little bit taller. Uh, and their fur changes compared to rabbits, which are smaller. Um, though there's some rabbits like that, those uh, dwarf giant rabbits, like the Angolian ones. Oh my gosh. Have you seen those at like zoos and stuff? I don't think so. Maybe. Oh my gosh. I can't remember. Actually, and- I think the last time I was at a zoo, I was with Nick in Minneapolis. The, the free one? That was a great zoo. It's, yeah, it's a... Uh- very popular destination, and I'm pretty sure everyone who's uh, everyone who's come and visit, I think we take them there. So I've I've been there like twelve times, and every single time I think it's pretty entertaining. So uh, I, I enjoy it. What was the place called again? Zoo Como Zoo Como Zoo Como Zoo. I think it was awesome. I, I, there was like a tree or whatever. I remember you. T- I don't know if you told me or if it was one of the signs or whatever. But there's like a tree in there that they have to like literally remove the roof of one of the greenhouses every couple of years when it blooms to like, uh, it's like once every hundred years. Oh, I I think it's like something crazy like that. But yeah, uh, there's a tree and I should know more than I don't think about. Yeah. Come on. How many times have you been to this zoo? Guide. I I, I noted because it was noted to me one time and I thought it was cool. But outside of that, I put no additional thought into it whatsoever. But yeah, it's a pretty extensive zoo. It's free. They ask for donations. So I, I usually try and throw like a, buck or two in at least when i go but um yeah they've got a lot of cool stuff and one of those things was yeah a tree that very rarely blooms i don't know if 100 years is the right number or not but it's something crazy um and and yeah they have to like open up the roof in order to allow for this tree to bloom when it does and there's a couple trees that i'm aware of or, or plants like that that only bloom at certain times of year or i think i was reading about some kind of orchid that only blooms um 
every so many years and if and when it does it was uh it was the amazon it was no it was, maybe it was amazon i think it was <laughs> one of those rainforest places yeah one of those tropical places the company, the company oh, uh has what? a uh yeah they have a uh ridiculous like area for their employees to work because they're amazon and they had a specific plant that when it blooms smells like dead flesh but it only blooms oh. that was it was like another one of those oh i do remember hearing about that they had one of those in madison too and i saw it it was really cool so yeah they they had that happen evidently and it did bloom in fact uh while they were open so they had to like close everything because it smelled like close that people. area dead flesh and uh, oh god why would they even put that there just because they it's cool like uh it's yeah. called the corpse flower uh they had one in oh it's literally called a corpse flower it's like once every decade or something so it doesn't happen all that often and it's actually really cool i mean yeah. i saw it when it, it bloomed because it happened when we were there like an undergrad once and it wasn't that smelly but it might have just been the time i can't it was probably towards when it was closing up but Overall, it's just a really large plant. Kind of looks like um, Felix, I'm sure. Um, I don't know what that means. Some, uh, not going into what it means. Um, it, it's just big and cool, and I think the novelty of it is probably what draws people to it. Like, hey, check out my corpse flower. Like, was it original? Was it originally cool. from the Amazon? Because that would make slightly more sense as to why the Amazon company would have an Amazon flower thing in it. Yeah, it's one of those tropical plants that use the smell to kind of attract in the like flies and stuff that like smelly stuff. Because hmm. you think about it, plants don't always go with like this. Like bees will go for plants that smell better. I don't think they are going by smell; they go more for sight of the color. But but some animals like flies, well, they're attracted to um, really smelly, dead, rotting stuff, and that's something that will attract them into it, which I think is. It's a strategy. We'll, we'll have to post a picture of this flower thing on our on our Twitter or something. Yeah, it's it's pretty big. It's pretty impressive. Usually, you don't see places having. Oh Jesus! This thing is this thing is really big. This is like chest height. I think Como has one too. Don't our, our producer just posted a picture of it, and dude, this thing is much bigger than I expected. Like it's on a little yeah. pedestal thing, but it's significantly over people's heads. So, like, if you're standing right next to it, it looks like it would come up to your like chest. And it's a flower. It's one flower. It's just a singular flower. Dang. That's impressive. I don't pay attention enough to know if it's a Como or not. Very small, I think. In the rainforest area. That's that's about the highlight of my tour. Yeah, sloths are highlights. I love those things. I actually... All right, I, okay, go ahead, Brent. Sorry. I, I want to quick, before we get off of the nature thing, um, I saw a picture. It was like a meme or something, but it was basically this average-looking guy um, and someone was like looking at him or whatever. But the caption on this was this guy who's an average looking like runner dude almost from the looks of it, like killed a mountain lion in Boulder. Kind yeah, of, like, dude, I heard about this. this. I, I was about to actually touch on this because the whole nature thing. But like, so yeah, it was on the news here all over because it's kind of like, that's pretty badass to kill a mountain lion. But apparently, yeah, I forgot exactly what this guy was doing, but he's on one of the trails or whatever. And he was like jogging or you know, just going for a stroll and literally like a mountain lion just jumped him from the side of the trail. It just like jumped him. They end up like rolling down a mini ravine. And then he ended up like, he was fighting with this lion. He started like yelling and screaming at it to try to like get it to fend off, but it just kept on going at him. And he eventually just like took him and like 
had stamped his le- like his foot onto the mountain lion's neck and eventually it suffocated. It like apparently had latched onto his arm and so like he it didn't unlatch from his arm until it finally died. Like so he just like shoved his foot like against the mountain lion's throat until the mountain lion finally died. It's like Jesus, like definitely sucks the mountain lion died and all, but like you got to do what you got to do to live, right? Like yeah, life or death. Like um, that's super uncommon story. though. If I may, you you do know what he partially credited to survival? Now what? He's a cat owner. He's familiar with cats. He he kind of understands the bodies how they work and he was able to position himself uh in a way knowing how cats can maneuver cuz Cats are so foreign to most people and they're great hunters because they're incredibly agile and incredibly flexible and they can move in ways a lot of people would never anticipate. Um, But the the gentleman uh, credited being familiar with with cats. He he understands how they work and how they move and was able to uh, maneuver accordingly um, in in order to save his own life. If I may, that reminds me a lot of what you hear about with shark attacks too, where it's like if you have a shark that's trying to bite you, you're supposed to, you know, bang it in the nose. You're basically supposed to like try and punch or hit it in the nose because it has just such strong olfactory that it, in such a sensitive area that it gets it. And I, and I feel like in those so survival bang, situations, no, it's the nose. You're supposed to hit him in the nose. I mean, you can obviously any animal if you hit in the eyes, it's going to affect them too, but. Like it's like nose and gills are yeah. Oh, is it like sharks in general have that whole like smelling blood from miles away? So I'm not sure how much they actually rely on sight. No, it's definitely mostly smell because it's crazy the stats on these. But um, it's just one of those things too. Like, and you brought up a good point of if you're getting attacked by an animal, knowing that animal really well and knowing what effect like. Doing what you would do to a hitting a like a bear on the nose might not be as effective as yeah you're just gonna piss the bear off a shark yeah or <laughs> mountain lion going for the throat kind of thing like it's it's interesting yeah bears I, I, like black bears are supposed to get big loud yell at them and hope they run away like they'll most likely run away brown bears from what I've heard you just kind of like curl up into a ball and hope he gets bored with you yep yeah you <laughs> brown bears are scary man. A uh, moose are also oh scary. You're supposed to go hide behind them. They're so there. big. Juliana, she works actually at one of the schools up in the mountains. And they'll literally like have, she hasn't had one this year, but apparently in the past they've had it where like, you can't go outside right now. Like, or they'll like delay school ending because there's just a moose sitting in the parking lot and they don't want any kids going out there. It's like, oh, dang, yeah. like that's, that's crazy. They're talking about when we went to Salt Lake city, they were talking about at the hospital that they had actually a mountain lion in the parking lot of the hospital, like in the the ramp or whatever. I was like, ooh. And uh, one of the doctors was telling Heather that a kid, a moose, actually went out and chased their kid to the bus stop, like just on the street in their neighborhood. And hopefully this is the like bus was there. Galaxy, which is a bigger. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. I, I don't don't think it was too threatening, but like at the same time, it's weird, some of these, especially Western cities, of how close you can actually be to, to nature. I know Boulder, just like over the summer, I think September-ish, they actually had a, a woman who, she came home and she found a mountain lion in her living room. Yeah, I think you actually touched on that on one of your yeah, nature and news it like, things. Yeah, and it like killed her. It's just like, oh my gosh, you don't hear about that in Wisconsin. At least not with mountain lions. 
No, no. That's not a Wisconsin thing to have mountain lions roaming around. Hey, the lack of mountains what? typically gets rid of the mountain lions. Yeah. You know what else, though, <laughs> is something that's um, not found in Wisconsin, but seems to be found, especially like the Midwest. Like I know I touched on Salt Lake City, and I think they have something uh, to this effect. But the AAF football teams, there isn't one in Wisconsin, but it's taking over the rest of the world by storm. Dude, AAF's where it's it? at. The Stallions, man. How about them Stallions? Yeah, 0-2. So, yep. As a podcast, we've decided we are Salt Lake Stallions fans. Number one, they're the northernmost team, so that makes them the most badass. Badass, because they're absolutely yep yeah, up north. Yeah, gotta have that. Uh, number two, um, they have a cool uniform and colors. And number three, when we picked them as our favorites, they were already zero one, so we weren't a bandwagon team fans at all. And now that they're zero two, we are definitely not bandwagon we're fans. Definitely not, but we are diehard. <laughs> We are diehards. We've never seen a winning season. We've never seen a winning game in that matter in history. <laughs> I can't remember the last time the Stallions won, if they even have, they, which they, they haven't. They haven't. They're on two. Um, it's actually, the games are decently entertaining. If not, it's not the NFL, but if you go in not expecting it to be the NFL, it's okay. The app for the AAF um, allows you to kind of pick or guess what the plays are going to be and get points entertaining way to watch if i may like that's cool and all but it's definitely not like it's not synced right like there there's like the app is way ahead of the live streams of the games or like the live broadcast of the game so they need to delay the app somehow because it's just i don't know i don't know how they do it though because you definitely need the app slightly ahead of uh so you can have time to put yeah to have time you have to have it slightly ahead of the broadcast otherwise people would just watch the broadcast and pick what they need on the app but it's like three or four plays behind it's it's fairly significant delay so it's kind of like eh, they'll get there i'm sure but it's interesting uh they have a couple like uh different rules than the nfl there's no kickoffs like you just start like after a touchdown or something like that you just start on the 25 yard line um what else what else do they have Hello. Um, they <laughs> overtime rule. They start at the five yard line, and um, you each get the ball. It's like five or twenty or something. It's not the whole. You oh, like on your opponent's touchdown. five or twenty. Yeah, you start. Or you start like yeah. It's basically like you're going for Nick. You're basically red zone. Yeah, which I think is a lot more entertaining. Um, I don't think they have kickoffs anymore. Pretty no, sure no kickoffs. Kickoff. And no, there's if nothing. Oh, if you want an extra point, if you want, or no, if you want to do an Yeah, you can only kick, go for two. And if you want the extra point is to, um, no, no, onside kicks are, it's like a fourth and 20 or something or fourth and 16. They have to try and convert from like the 35. I don't know. It's, it's entertaining. I, I don't know, Nick, have you seen any of this? And as a former football player, what are your oh, thoughts on this? Gosh, you know, I... I, I I love the Packers and uh, <laughs> first and foremost that 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 needs to be thrown out there uh, <laughs> beyond beyond my love of the Packers. Um, it's the Stallions. It's I, like a- uh, I, I really <laughs> I really don't know what to think of a new football league. I think it's a, a nice idea. Um, it will be really, really tough to see it be sustained. I think 
it will innovate in a way that is beneficial with respect to uh, changing the game uh, with some of those rules with respect to, okay, just get rid of kickoffs, just get rid of this, just get rid of that. Um, the, the playing style, I think it will be a feeder league, quote unquote, which is not meant to be for players necessarily. It's more of a washout league, no offense, but. Well, it's, it's, yeah, right now it seems like it's a little bit. I think right now it's more of a washout league because they want to have those names in there to try to get people to be interested. Uh, but I, I could see it becoming a feeder league, like you said. It sounds like all the players sign like three-year deals. What the only way they can really get out is injury, or if they get picked up by an NFL team. I don't. Really? I don't know the contracts. I'd be. I'd be interested to understand. But my my thought is best case scenario for them. Um, they end up doing a merger like back in the day when they had the uh, two different sides come together. Um, I don't know the full history around that. I've watched a lot. I don't remember a lot of it, but um, I think best case scenario, if they become at all big, that's what's happening. But I, I, I look at, I look at other sports in, in comparison and I'm thinking there are not two professional basketball leagues. There's the NBA no. and that's it. Well, college college basketball is a huge thing. It's a Hold giant on industry. Hold on now. Hold on. <laughs> if we look at baseball, uh, America's pastime, a very popular sport, they do have sub-leagues of a sort, but those are farming systems, feeding systems, and uh, they are, are there to – bring you know new talent up and of course they have some you know via recovery processes those have a role so in, in that sense um you know maybe something like that could work but what do you do i mean do you have each nfl team has its own feeder team yeah i don't know i don't think you can have enough, i don't think there's enough good football players to do that well, there. Is, so you, you mentioned baseball, and I think, yeah, you're right. A lot of them are feeders, but there are still professional baseball teams and leagues that are out there. Like, like Pat McAfee. I forgot what he we played in, but Pat McAfee did like it was it was mostly a joke for like a mini film thing. But he like played on a quote unquote professional baseball team, and so like all the players there were getting paid to play baseball. Like it's like. We're in we Wisconsin. We have the Timber Rattlers. Yeah. We're uh, in uh, in St. Paul. There's the St. Paul Saints. Uh, yeah. They have a stadium. All of those are still essentially by a a major MLB team. Correct me if I'm wrong. I guess yeah. I'm not sure if they're owned by that or if just generically the people in that in those organizations kind of go towards. Uh, I I I know that the Timber Rattlers are, are the Brewers organization, which was a transition that occurred in the last like 10 years. The Timber Rattlers used to be for a different team and I don't know who it was, but the Brewers like traded or bought the Timber Rattlers because it just made so much more sense to have their, their players, their potential young players closer to Milwaukee. So um, research, but in that sense, uh, other quote unquote professional teams do exist but they are owned or operated in a way, shape, or form by the the master league. So I could see something like that working out, or uh, there being a merger. I don't. I just. I don't see any talent that's meant for the NFL ever getting pulled away 
by a contract for the what is it AAF yeah, Alliance of American Football. I'm looking. I'm looking at other sports, and baseball is the the most successful example of having smaller local teams. Now, the NBA does have um, the D League, the developmental league. It's now and, the G League, the Gatorade League. But same thing, yeah. Um, they have a team in Oshkosh that the herd that was installed that's owned by the Milwaukee Bucks, which I, I don't know if they picked the logo to match the Bucks with the herd or blah, blah, blah. But uh, that is a quote unquote professional team with professional players, but they're owned by the Bucks essentially. Uh, they're independent. They're a feeder league, uh, uh, a, a G league now, whatever it's called. Um, you know, that kind of thing can exist and it doesn't for football. So maybe, maybe there is an opportunity there. Uh, now here I can toot my horn. Uh, I've, I've played quote unquote, uh, semi-pro football and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> my experience was, was not positive now this is not professional we weren't paid at all uh, it was a, a local uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota uh, it's like an amateur league type teams yeah, where's the, was, where, if I may real quick and Nick you can answer this where, what's the where's the line there between amateur semi-pro and pro like obviously pro is you're getting paid but where's the semi-pro oh, amateur line uh, I would say professional you're getting paid to do it uh, a living wage if you're anything else you're what semi-pro you're you have to work another job to do it um but you're potentially getting paid just not enough and okay not i can see that paid at all so that would be my loose definition but um the <laughs> at least in the uh the semi-pro i'll call it uh the uh, the setup there was uh it was a bunch of washouts. Like these are guys who loved the game and it was great to see them and and see their passion for the game. But speaking for myself, I was a capable player. I I came onto the team and uh, I happened to be one of the better offensive linemen, which was uh, very flattering, but um, you know, it wasn't passion anymore. I didn't have the the desire to go out and, and kill somebody or to, you know, go out and block somebody. It's just especially being offensive line, like I had to sacrifice a lot of my body and, and to this day I'm dealing with, you know, the weight and everything else that goes with it. Uh I had to sacrifice a lot of my time and a lot of my body to play the game. And without having, you know, doing it for a school or doing it for a cause or a group of guys I believed in. Not that I didn't want to believe in these guys, but yeah, you got guys who are almost 40 years old who have no business being on a football field who just don't know how to move on. And it was it was a really weird experience. I, I'm sure there's plenty of stories I could tell, but I came up in a very good Division I uh, high school program where I was uh, a moderate standout, uh, we'll say. And um, I got the opportunity to play college. I only did one year, and after my redshirt year, I, I left. Um, just because I, I, I didn't enjoy it. I think I, I wouldn't have been anything special. I have no, you know, visions of great. If I may, Nick, was it because you had to, if I may quick, was it because you had to go up that giant hill to get to practice every day? You can no. be honest. No, it, it wasn't because of that. Um, <laughs> it was just the time commitment. And um, there were stories and examples that clearly kind of showed the coaches and fellow players didn't care if I was in the hospital or if I was out on my field busting my butt for them every single day. Um, you know, and maybe that's part of freshman hazing. I don't know. I could have been a, a valid starter, like for junior and senior year. Again, no visions of, of or delusions of grandeur being an all-conference player. You know, maybe my senior year, if I stuck with the program and worked through it, I could have, I could have been something. But um, for me, it just, it wasn't worth it. There were too many examples of, 
you know, this isn't a family. This isn't worth sacrificing myself. So if I'm, if I'm a question, okay, I guess number one, real quick, apparently the Timber Rattlers used to be called the Foxes. That's what they were before the Brewers got affiliated with them. So fun fact there. The other thing, so question to Nick is, is there anything, because I, I've always thought maybe I could have been okay at football, maybe like a wide receiver, even potentially quarterback kind of thing. Cause like I do have a, like, especially when I was younger, I had a pretty good arm, but is there anything like in football that's like kind of like a, a quote unquote behind the scenes thing where either like your team had a special tradition that you do, or it's just like all football teams do this thing. Like for example, for rugby, we always have rugby songs and rugby socials, which I can go into that in detail at some point for a future episode or whatever. But like, is there anything that it's like, okay, that's just a behind the scenes football thing that all football teams do? Or was there like a tradition that either your high school or college football team did that was just kind of like, oh, if you never were on a football team, you'd never know that? Yeah, good question. Uh, hard to answer with with a limited scope. Um, <laughs> what, the way I'll answer that is uh, with my experience, um, or it's going to be different with every football team, but still, the yeah, same, naturally, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, each program is going to have certain traditions or certain approaches. Each each program is going to have a personality. But just like in professional football, college football is similar, and even high school, it depends on the athletes. It depends on the players. The 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 best players or, or the most influential players, which are typically the best players are going to drive the bus. They're going to dictate how the team behaves, how the team acts, what the, the standards for excellence are. Um, and coaches, you know, help with that a lot, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, who do you have in the program? And ideally, you know, the people who are in the program are, are the ones who, who follow the coach's philosophies, uh, simple concepts, moving from middle school to high school. Um, when you got to high school, you, you always did every drill, two or three yards beyond the line of completion. So warmups were 15 yards and you would just do it like a high knees. You're kind of jogging and you're, you're chopping your knees as high as you can uh, to stretch out. And if you stopped before the 15 yard marker, uh, the coaches would be in your face. They would go absolutely nuts. Um, it was the culture there that you always go beyond the line. A you smidge more, more than whatever you're told to do. You do more than than is expected, more than the minimum. The the expectation was the minimum, and, and you were expected to do more than the minimum every single time. So uh, every time it was 15 yards, it was more like 16, 17 yards. And, and every year the freshman came in and it was a learning process. And every time if you had someone transfer in from a different school, they had to figure it out. And it was – But, it but was coach said 15. It was the coaches <laughs> who got on them, but it was the players who adopted it. Um, now that that's a, that's a culture. That's a coaching thing in high school. When I went to college, um, it was, it was very much so a culture of, of where we were. I went to college in a school, uh, Michigan tech up in, in Houghton where, and I, I, I don't mean to speak badly of them. I wish them all the success in the world. It just, the program wasn't for me, but what, what I will say, and no one can really disagree with, and if they do, well, I disagree anyways. already. Perfect. So, um, <laughs> in the UP, you are. 500 miles from anywhere relevant uh, and the players and, and the coaches that live in that area who, who play the game in that area have a certain attitude. Uh, it was, it was a good old boys out in the middle of nowhere. And it was a old school 
you know, country town, beat the living shit out of everybody. And whoever's left standing will play with. And that, that was a, a big reason for me just being like, okay, I want to sacrifice my time and my health for a team that I believe in and that believes in me. I right. Where every, everyone's in that together, not a competitive, it's either me or you or. Like I want to compete as much as the next person. And, and if I lose, I'm going to be upset and I'm going to come back and work harder, but I'm also not going to try and break a guy's leg or something just so I can laugh at him and look at the whole offense and say, ha ha, you all suck. Like this is still a team at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I want to compete and I want to beat you as bad as I can so that you, you get better eventually, but they cross lines that I, I don't support. And, and maybe it's me not being that aggressive. I, I mean, I'm aggressive, but I, I've never been one to fight, let alone fight your own team. And, and there were fights in practice that were encouraged by the coaching staff. So it's, it's, it's a culture thing. It's tough. No matter where you go, uh, there's going to be some sort of toughness aspect, unless you're with an Owen 16 lions type team. Um, and then they're even there, they're craving, you know, a toughness attitude or something like that. And they just don't know where to turn. They lack leadership. And that's, that's a coaching thing. That's a player thing. Uh, there are a lot of popular things that schools do before games. Uh, if you watch enough college football, and listen to the, and, and I usually don't because the reporting is mostly garbage, but a lot of their, a lot of the reporting about college games talk about the traditions of the teams and the things they do. And when they come out of the tunnel, they all touch this inspirational quote, or they have their, their mascot that they're really behind or whatever. And every school, you know, wants to have their own little thing and all of them also do the same thing so they all have mascots they all have their little sayings they all do this they all do that but still they're they're all the same but they're all a little different and that's because the players rotate through it as a very high turnover sport yeah if i if i may that brings up a good point um and i know from a friend that did rowing in madison it seemed to have a similar culture now granted in rowing i don't think they were fighting each other because it's not really a physical sport shoving like each other off the boat um tipping the boat on purpose that's yeah, what I, I do. do That'd that. be my stay. Like you guys suck. And just flip the whole boat on everybody. Like that's a really skinny boat. Oh man, no, I know it's hard to balance. But so I, I had a friend that ended up getting moving up as a, I believe a sophomore up to the varsity B team, and that's you know your varsity as a sophomore. That's a pretty big achievement. And they, the person went to a, a camp in the winter, went all the way down to Florida, got injured, like within the first few days. Couldn't, couldn't row for the rest of the trip. Uh, and instead of the coaches helping them, instead of the coaches like, hey, this is some time with the, the trainer. Let's try and get you fixed up. I, I don't know the specifics, but basically what the gist I got from it was they were like, you can't row for us. Like, oh, well, we'll find someone else to fill in like next person. Um, and, I, and it's felt really cutthroat. And I know uh, she ended up not rowing anymore. I don't know the exact specifics of why, but it's just like, I feel like some of these college sports winning is so important to many of these programs that they really will push aside the athlete and the student. And that's not every program, but you know, you have to, if you're a coach, you have to win so you can continue getting paid to get the next contract uh, and they get more money for your school. And if you're not going to help the team win, well, we don't really need you. Well, like nowadays you know? colleges even have like gaming like teams for the college. Like it's like a, literally like a, they'll have League of Legends university teams. And like, there's like League of Legends even sponsors like a university league where all the universities that have 
League of Legends will compete and go like to competitions and stuff between colleges for video games. Like that's, and there's like scholarships for video games. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know if League of Legends is the only one. I know like some of the professional teams, like, like a TSM or a CLG cloud nine, they have like Fortnite guys too. So it's like, I don't know, like how do that, I'm not sure how the Fortnite thing works in competitive play, but it's like, I don't, I don't get how these colleges slash the professional gamers in general, how that works compared to sports. Cause like, I know TSM, I, they're getting a lot of the, like, they're getting like legitimate, like sports psychiatrists in to coach them through stuff like psychology wise for their video games. It's crazy. So the thing that gets me with esports is a lot of these things. Like I, I guess league of legends has been around for quite a while, but like Fortnite's only been around for about a year now. It's not even and a team game. They'll have coaches. Well, you can do squads or you can have more than one yeah. person, but it's like, you have coaches for these things. And it's like, well, wait, how can you have a coach for a game that's been around for only a year? How do these coaches, you know, what get lets them be a coach over somebody else? I assume there's probably just general transferable, like, hey, this is how we can improve your aiming. This is how we can maybe analyze different things. But it, it's one of those things where I'm sure they have coaches. But at the same time, with esports being as new as it is, there's got to be only so many qualified coaches even just well, for the pro yeah, it's, pre- league, it's pretty much just pro- previous professional gamers. Like, like how does league have enough good coaches that are able to go to all these colleges that have now had programs come up and have someone that can actually effect- effectively coach? Unless it's just like a pro player that's like, I'm going to coach, but really all they have. Because I'm washed up. That they, <laughs> they were good at it one time at one point. Like, I don't, I don't understand um, how that, you know, I, I'm sure it's like basketball too. Like, Whoever the it's this new sport basketball we're gonna have a coach for it. It's like well, there's never been a league for basketball, so maybe they're just figuring it out as it is or or what. But yes, yeah, for I, like I, all I, new sports, like yeah, how do they do the brand new? Like I know the Apex Legends, that like that's just released not too long ago, and it's basically like a Call of Duty Fortnite clone thing. I don't know. I before we go too far into that, like I personally think it's a little like overrated. I. Like I played it, I I downloaded it, I played a round or two, and it's just I don't know. Like for me in general, the battle royales are just not my thing. It's just a running simulator. Like it's definitely better than Daisy, but still a running sim- simulator. So I like I don't know. I don't get it. I think Apex and Fortnite are both overrated. I, but like I, how, even for those new sport, those new games though, like they instantly get pro players in them. Like how do they identify the pro player? two weeks into the game and then sign people. That's just crazy. Well, I think the thing, and, and I followed Fortnite esports a little bit, uh, the pros that initially are the pros, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see right now, uh, aren't just people that are pretty good at the game to begin with. Maybe they were really good at a different game that had similar mechanics or whatever. And then as all of a sudden the game develops and actually becomes a real stable game that's been around for a while, the people that are actually good rise to the top where like a Fortnite pro today compared to a Fortnite pro a year ago, the pro today, even if they're a bad pro would stomp and destroy and just kick the butt of last year's pro at that level, at that point, because the game is just advanced so much farther. If I may to that 
to that point, you guys are questioning, you know, how can you justify having a coach uh, uh, that has no experience playing the game or has you know little experience playing the game? And, and I would, yes, I, I, I guess having a, a player of the game historically, someone who used to be good at the game, a uh, coach makes, makes a lot of sense. But what I would say about that is a, a lot of, isn't if you compare to more, more traditional sports, a lot of coaches were not great players. Some were certainly uh, who can transition from uh, being a player to a coach. And, and there are those out there and, you know, certainly position coaches. If you had Brett Favre coaching your quarterback, you, you would, you know, think that Brett Favre is going to be able to provide a lot of great input, especially a to a quarterback. Yeah. Maybe it depends on the quarterback. He had some bad <laughs> At habits. At the same time, uh, Tell me the the professional playing. Uh, here's what I could think of: uh, the Harbaugh's, uh, very big name coaches in the NFL. Uh, they met in the Super Bowl when uh, Jim Harbaugh was the coach of the Niners and uh, John Harbaugh is it? Yes, uh, coach of the Ravens. Uh, both former players. Uh, I think they may have dabbled in the NFL uh, briefly, but they weren't anything spectacular as far as I can remember. Now, I may be wrong. If you can correct me on, on their history, great. I know um, that they were good in college, but when they got went to the next level, they weren't spectacular. They weren't, they weren't special there, uh, but they moved into a coaching capacity. And what I would say is, uh, yeah, you can find former players. I think that makes a lot of sense. But they don't have to have been great players to be a great coach. Um, you know, some of the best coaches were were just not good players, but they understand the strategy. And, and if you're you're looking at a new game like Apex Legends, and I, I like no, what is a strategy? You know, that's the thing. Well, like, hold on, it's so new. How do you develop that? Without having let any me, experience. Let me finish. Let me Sorry. let me finish. Sorry, if, I got if excited. You, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you compare it to again a more a more classic sport that I, I do understand, um, you can look at something like basketball. A a new basketball coach, and you understand. Yep, we want to work as a team. We want to play this game basketball well. Where are you going to start? You're going to start with dribbling, shooting. And communication. Communication, I mean, if I may real quick, communication is huge in almost any sport. Like that's that's something that if you're good at coaching that you can almost coach anything. If you can get people to communicate with each other effectively during game, even if you start off by knowing nothing about the game, I think you're going to be an effective coach. Correct. And and what will happen is after you work on those basics and and build a, a team chemistry, the strategy will reveal itself to you. You're going to be playing this game. You're going to get a feel for it. You're going to learn the little nuances. I, I was bored on YouTube, so I watched you know, uh, five tips or tricks to Apex Legends that you didn't know. And I've only played it the two or three same times that Kyle did. And I, I didn't uninstall it like he did, but I wasn't too thrilled. <laughs> Kyle's a little reactionary right there. Yeah, dude. It, sorry. It takes, me, it takes a little... If I'm hooked on a game for more than a couple days, it's a fantastic game and anybody else would love it. For me, though, like... If I if a game doesn't hook me, it's dead to me. Like for for me, if I get an hour for every twenty bucks to spend in a game, it was a good investment. So like, wait, Kyle, are you sure someone just didn't tell you to to you know call you trash and say you should uninstall? No, there's there's I don't okay. even know how to get I don't even know how to get to the chat in Apex. I did a solo. 
Okay, gentlemen, if I if I may get <laughs> off of this lovely tangent train. Beep, beep. Um, yeah, that that one left the station. Uh, <laughs> when you're coaching, you, you you focus on the basics. You play the game. If it's a new game, great. Uh, the the predominant strategies will reveal themselves. Exposure and, and time playing the game. The same way a professional will practice and practice and practice to to be the best basketball player they can be. As a coach, you just need to get your players to practice, practice, practice. And if they are any good, if they historically have been gamers, they will know what to do. You can develop strategies, but I wouldn't even worry about a strategy in a new game for the first you know, couple months of, of playing it. Just trying to figure out, okay, here's what works, here's what doesn't work, here are your combos, here are the best areas on the map. You know, Just kind of analyze that stuff and... With something like Fortnite that's fluid, it can get more complicated, but you still understand the basics of, okay, uh, you need to be able to build and you need to be able to shoot and you need to be able to position yourself in a map to be successful. Now, I I wouldn't claim to be great at it. I enjoy thinking about it. But when we play Fortnite and, and we're very casual players, uh, I'll, I'll say that off the, the, off the bat here. But when we play Speak that, I'm, I'm aware, <laughs> not that I don't make mistakes, but I am hyper aware of, of the terrain. Hyper aware. Hyper aware. In a, and I'll, I'll speak to a game that Brent, Brent and I, I think, uh, played uh, a couple, last week, two weeks ago, something like that. We found ourselves in a riverbed, and, and it was a horrible place to be. Oh, was that was horrible. Oh, and, and immediately I knew it was my fault because I picked a path that sent us through a riverbed. Now, it was in an attempt to get to a high point, but someone was already there and we paid the price. If you're dealing with more experienced gamers, though, they're analyzing every one of those steps. They're aware of it. They know what they're doing. They know they've also the- practiced the skills where in a lot of bad situations they can just get themselves out of from skill. Yes, and they, they know the dominant strategy. So as a coach, your your job is is to go through the basics and the game plan will reveal itself and and the predominant strategies will reveal itself. Your job as a, a gaming coach, hypothetically, would be to be the voice of reason. You're not an emotional player who's frustrated or who's feeling you know unstoppable. You are the voice of reason in the back of their head being like, hey, you know, I think you could probably rush that hill right now, but let's let's take the more conservative path here. Or, hey, I, I know you're having a, a down round, but we, we need you to get up here. We need you to make this move. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. But to to coach, to make the players better, to be the voice of reason, who is not the emotional one who's playing the game. I mean, that's that's the same thing in, in a more standard sport. If if you're dealing with a quarterback who's just thrown three interceptions in the first quarter, you as a coach, you need to stop. You need to grab that individual and, and you need to get their head right. So, I mean, you don't need to be a great player to do that. It's a lot of psychology. It's a lot of communication, as we mentioned. And, and yeah, it's. It's you don't need to to have all that experience to to be a successful coach. Now, you're right. I would be curious about the qualifications as well. Um, you know, I, I don't think I would be a good coach. That's what makes a good coach. I have no idea. But um, frankly, I don't care enough to look it up. Yeah. So, All right. So I got to sell this debate once and for all. I know this is hot and everyone's. Is it the flavor of the day? Apex, that's a better game or Fortnite? I feel like I know Kyle's answer which is probably neither. But if you were to pick one, what, what are we going with here? I'm not let's, playing let's either. I'm playing. If, if I have to pick one, it's whichever one you two are playing. 
That's Aww. that's that's a legit answer because otherwise I couldn't give two shits. Like I I wouldn't be playing it. I I bear I uninstalled Apex Legends right away and I only update Fortnite when you guys are like, oh, we really want to play Fortnite. That's the only time I ever update Fortnite. That's sweet. Um, Nick, what do you think? What's your what was the question? Pick? Sorry, Fortnite or Apex? Just so we get get the record straight. I don't have enough experience with Apex to play it. I really love the Titanfall um, universe. I, I loved playing Titanfall. I didn't actually play Titanfall two. I, I would like to at some point, um, but I have not done that. Uh, but my experience with Fortnite has been pretty positive. It's it's a very um, it's a very low. Uh, or floor it's pretty easy to pick up and just kind of figure things out it, it, there's a lot of skill if, if you know the nuances and, and what have you um so i my experience is fortnite but i i can't say that that's not biased because i've not spent any real time with apex legends i'm impatient kind of like kyle I, I picked it up i tried it i didn't love it and i'm just kind of like all right well if it can't be figured out real quickly and i don't love the concepts i'm not going to waste my time yeah that's definitely fair um so I guess for mine, I probably just because I've invested more time into it and I haven't actually tried Apex. I'd go with Fortnite. Um, I like things that are a little bit more proven uh, to have worked. And it's, it's so easy to jump on the flavor. I guess if it sticks around for a while, I'll have to jump onto it. But I, I feel like I like Fortnite at that point. And speaking of favorite things. Oh, yes. One, one quick, oh, oh, yeah, say one quick thing I'll throw goal. in is that like as far as Apex goes, like. I definitely do want to get into like a more realistic or at least Call of Duty-esque per, uh, first-person shooter. Like I haven't played one in a long time. And I mean, it might be Counter-Strike Global Offensive because that just went free to play. Maybe, you know, that could be potentially the game, mm-hmm. but we That's definitely right. should get into some sort of first-person shooter. But I was hoping it might be Apex Legends, but I don't know. Unless there's a different mode that comes out, I'm over it already. All right, so... With that in mind, speaking of favorite stuff, I just want to quick, in honor of President's Day being this week, and I had a day off for President's Day, so extra thank you to all those presidents out there. <laughs> Whatever. You guys are you guys are great, or not. Depends on what people think. I just want to give a quick list of my top five favorite presidents. I'll be quick about it, because I'm sure no one wants to talk about this. But here we go. Number five, coming in, is Barack <laughs> Obama. He just seemed like a really cool dude, someone that you could have a beer with. Played basketball. I, I that's why he's five. Four. I'm going with Andrew Jackson. The guy just seemed like he was. I mean, legendary jerk, curmudgeon kind of guy. Like no nonsense. Curmudgeon? Like. Are you making up words, Brent? Curmudgeon's definitely a word. Uh, basically, <laughs> like a cranky old guy from the of it. I mean, what he did with the War of 1812, keeping uh, America free. Uh, and then going on and just kind of some of the stories you hear about him, like doing duels and stuff like that. Oh, that's like, that guy. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna, like a different yeah, time. Curmudgeon, a bad tempered person, especially an old one. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like he, he just, there's something lovable about somebody who's absolutely not. Lovable. So that's why he's number four, probably ranked a little bit high on my list for what he should be, but this, you know, that is what it is. Uh, George Washington comes at number three. He should be higher on this list, but there's some other good presents out there. He's number one. He's the founding father. He's the guy that I thought you said he was number three. Going. 
He's number three. He's the first <laughs> president, kidding. but I'm he's kidding. the third on my list. Uh, coming in, number two, Thomas Jefferson. Just fascinating guy. Uh, seemed like he was one of those renaissance men where he got into a little bit of everything. Uh, very established. Just had such an important role in the founding of our country. Plus, I, just, I love that Louisiana Purchase. The fact that it helped buy Wisconsin. <laughs> also pretty sweet as well. So uh, for the Louisiana Purchase and everything else, did Thomas Jefferson. And then I got to go with my boy, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, the cowboy president. The guy literally made a party called the Bull Moose Party because he was like, I don't care about your parties. I'm going to be that cool. Um, he founded the national park system, rode horses and bat. I don't know. He just seemed like this beyond legendary picture. He's on Mount Everest. No, not Mount Everest. That was really nope. dumb. Rushmore. He's on uh, Mount Rushmore, the other big mountain. <laughs> Gosh. Good try. Okay. That was embarrassing. Uh, you can tell it's late. Uh, and I guess so is Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. Anyway, uh, big guys, they're my favorites. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to share, otherwise we can move on. I won't be offended. No, I'll, I'll throw something. So like one of the ones I thought of as you were talking, I was just like, I know there was one person that definitely like won a duel. That sounds badass. So if that's Andrew Jackson, sure. I'm in on him too. I don't know what number he is. He's not numbered. He's definitely not number one, but he's he's in there just because yeah, you win a duel, you win a duel. Like I gotta, you can't argue with favorite, that. If I may, I gotta throw in my favorite Theodore Roosevelt fact. So he was giving a speech, and actually, I believe it was Milwaukee. Oh yeah, he got shot. Someone shot him during the speech, and the only reason why he survived was because his speech was so big and thick in his, and it was folded up in his pocket that he got shot in that it like slowed the bullet down. And you know what? Instead of going to the hospital, he finished the speech. Apparently, it did, like, puncture him. Like, it, the bullet did go inside of him. It just yeah. didn't go that deep. Yeah, but he's just like, I'm not going to take it out. I, I don't even know if he got it ever taken out. I assume, I back assume in the he day, probably took it out. The thing is, though, taking out bullets has traditionally been even more dangerous than leaving him in in some cases. Just mm-hmm. because it's so open to infection, it's really hard to keep the wound clean. Well, unlike a Brent here, I will throw in Abraham Lincoln onto my list as well because he Uh, freed the slaves and all that. Uh, He's a good guy too. He wasn't on your top five. And I think the person that freed slaves and like kind of brought a lot of equality to the the United States and the world should really be on a list. So good job, Brent, for not having him on there, putting the, you know. Oh, yeah. If I I may, I'm going to second Kyle on this one. Uh, Now, I cannot say with great certainty, you know, everything that Lincoln did is, is perfect. Um, what I'll say is I had a, a great teacher in high school who was incredibly entertaining and incredibly passionate. And uh, he taught us a little bit about Lincoln. And one of the things that uh, he addressed. And was it the Gettysburg was, address? Uh-huh. Sorry. continue anyway um if, if somebody wants to get uppity or, or try and fact check me on this i'm just going to walk away from the conversation but as, <laughs> oh, as, gosh. that is if uh, you fact check me is... i am out <laughs> i cannot accept that no go ahead we my way of, of everything on the internet is true that was a quote by george washington you better believe it I may. and he uh, was right. quoting abraham lincoln then. <laughs> sorry go ahead yes you may 
the gentleman who, who taught us in high school is an incredibly brilliant man. Uh, he was capable. I'm going to have to fact check that. <laughs> he had a photographic memory and uh, he list off if you said, okay, page, you know, 476, second paragraph, third line, fourth word, he'd tell you what it was. Like he, he, he was that good with his photographic memory. I was, it was pretty cool, but when we learned about Lincoln from him and uh, the way he framed Abraham Lincoln was absolutely incredible. And it was really cool. And where I get into the fact checking is, is the way he explained it is the civil war had nothing to do with freedom for the slaves. It it was a factor. It was a very minor portion. Yeah. Popular history is it was all about the slaves. It was to free them. But that was a manipulation by Abraham Lincoln. It was more about the representation. Yes. uh, Historically. Now, the freeing was a a manipulation by Lincoln to do the right thing, of course. And and we, we know that and respect him for that. But to to have history be what it is, it's kind of like. Uh, and I don't want to get too religious on this. Uh, I'll say it's the equivalent of people saying, oh, we need to keep Christ in Christmas. Christmas was a pagan holiday. They just happened to put that on there because they wanted the pagans to to worship God and to, to be on board with that. But if you talk to a an avid Christian, they will try and tear that apart and say, oh, no, that's not right, or this, that, or the other thing. No. The actual history is it had Christ. Well, okay, we're looking at the slaves. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. You know, that's what the Civil War was about. No. No, it wasn't. But because it was manipulated brilliantly, again, all credit due in in a good way this time, uh, to to Lincoln. So, I mean, the way we learned about it was really, really cool. And I don't remember everything or even a portion of what I should. But uh, any and all respect, uh, my, my number one's Lincoln. Oh, yeah. he's period a, he's a good uh, based on everything i learned about him and, and how good he was um that's why i put uh, him off i wanted to be edgy he's he's up there i mean he's a great guy they're well, all, they're somewhere all in the top five too right who is <laughs> i probably could replace uh, a couple of them with uh lincoln but i wanted to be edgy and it, it, and then I, I would have to throw my number one. I'm sticking with it. And if, if I had to pick a number one, I, it would it have to be Kennedy, mainly because he was on so many drugs all the time. No, uh, the, <laughs> the space race thing. Like he, he basically he ascend. I mean, there's a lot of political uh, influence to him for him to you know make the declaration and whatnot. But he basically started the space race and uh, got America going, and basically invented Velcro and Tang. And he, well, if, he, if I may aware of the uh, history with Frank Sinatra and the Kennedys? Yeah, there's a huge yeah. thing with the whole Kennedy thing. Well, he, Kennedy also has that whole tie thing to Abraham Lincoln. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, and you'll have your mind blowing. Uh, but yeah, was- there, there's a lot of stuff with Kennedy, like the whole, he was in so much like chronic pain all the time. They were like, he was legitly on a lot of drugs in order to keep himself functioning Basically, apparently he wasn't the nicest person around his wife in private. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that's definitely wrong with the guy. Like every everybody's gonna have their um, personal oh, issues for sure. Like everybody has their personal issues. But uh, uh, the reason Kennedy would be my number one is mainly because of the whole space race thing, Get, kind of getting the country motivated, and kicked off to, 
you do know, some science. Do, yeah, you know, get some science done. Get some science. I, Bill huge, Nye. I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan. Um, you know, borderline Frank Sinatra super fan. Like, I don't buy things to support him or anything. But um, if I if I were into what kind of know, fan are you? That kind of obsession. I would, He's I would not a super a fan. fan. He's just a fan. Yeah, there's a, a great documentary on the life of Frank Sinatra on YouTube. Um, it was on uh, you know a major TV network a number of years back. They talk about uh, how Frank Sinatra actually you know called in favors so that Kennedy would um, take Illinois to become the president and blah blah blah. And how he, he uh, Frank used his mob connections to ensure that Kennedy did win Illinois uh, to secure the election. And how the mob, like the leader of the mob at the time, basically looked at his buddies and said, "I just got a president elected." Um, and it was because Frank, you know, made the phone call or, or did whatever. And he was so idolized within the, the mob community and blah, blah, blah. But uh, very interesting. If, if you like that kind of history, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, uh, the Rat Pack, that whole group, there's uh, just look on YouTube. There's some great videos about an hour long uh, that kind of walk through their whole history. Very cool stuff. So speaking of YouTube, I apologize, everybody, for no uh, video this week. Uh, had to scrunch it in between a couple of different things. Uh, quick quick update for me is that uh, the robotics team I've been assisting tonight was their bag and tag night. So they have to have their robot fully finished and in a bag and literally like zip tied shut. And they have to fill out some paperwork like saying, yes, this is the time we bag the robot. And we can't touch it until competition. So yeah, I, I was busy this week. And then I think uh, Brent or Nick had somebody, something last yes, yesterday night or whatever. I don't fully remember. Or maybe we're just gaming. I don't remember. Anyhow, but apologize. No video this week. Uh, we'll think about doing it next week. Otherwise, honestly, the video thing is kind of meh. But eh, meh. If, you guys, if you guys enjoy it, comment in YouTube, even on this non-video one. And if we get three comments from different people saying that they want the video, we'll continue to do the video. So there we go. <laughs> how about that? How about that? <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, I think that just Nick, do you have any news or you just want to wrap, or you just want to wrap her up? Um, I don't know that I have any excellent news, uh, in other news, uh, I'm announcing <laughs> my presidential candidacy for 2020. So, um, no, actually, technically, I have to be 35 to run for president. Uh, there's your civics class for the day. What? Uh, well, no, is, Nick, no, if no. I may, if you're president, you could change that. You can be the guy <laughs> okay. that's like, I'm running on the... The platform that you should be less than 25, 35 to be president. That'd be yeah. popular. You'd be radical. Why is that a limit? That makes no sense. Like, Why 35? Uh, there's like, somebody was about to run and be like, oh, I don't want any young kids in here. Well, you got to set an age limit on this thing. I fully support the age limit, actually. Um, I, I think if you have 35 years of, of experience in life, um, you we've got enough of a base to understand who you are and what you're about. If you're any younger than that, your, your basis. I don't know. I've been in, I've been in uh, like manufacturing facilities and professional workplaces and people had more than 35 years of experience with their, uh, their units, but they still pee on the seat somehow. I don't know. But Kyle, if you sit in the seat, you get all the germs in your butt. Dude, I don't understand that. If there's a urinal available, why do people go into the stalls to pee into the toilet and get splashing everywhere? Uh, Sorry. Sorry, pet peeve. I don't understand that. But with that, that was episode 36 of If I May. 
Hope everybody enjoyed bringing you a new episode every Thursday. Uh, if you guys want to support us, uh, please subscribe, share, rate, review uh, the, the podcast itself. We also have some merch available if you're interested. I think we still have the free ship Z promo code uh, for free shipping. Uh, if you would like that, uh, I think, yeah, we'll throw all the links and all that fun jazz down in the description. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can DM us on Twitter at Zarubust or email Zarubust at gmail.com. Um, yeah, have a great uh, Thursday, everybody, and we'll see you guys next week.